0: The Youthscape Podcast.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Youthscape Podcast. And I am here, I am Rachel Gardner, and you are here, and you are.
0: Martin Saunders.
1: Superb! And you listening, you are here, and you are who you say you are. But anyway, we're thinking today about campaigns and justice and capturing young people's imagination to be peacemakers and world changers. And we are very old, Marty, and we often talk oh, right. about how old yeah. we are. Do you remember as a teenager, sort of, what captured your imagination in terms of like, because I think. We're quite egocentric, we're quite tribe-centric, it's mm. about us and our family and our world, but, and, and our little community, but were there any things that like just really captured you, made you go, oh my goodness, there's a bigger world out there, and because I love Jesus, I've got to do something about that and that matters mm. to him. Can you remember mm. any sort of specific I think it was um,
0: when Henry VIII moved on to his third wife.
1: Oh, was it? Was there a big outcry? Yeah, we was said... there a bit of a hashtag movement, was there?
0: <laughs> Four <laughs> is too many. Yeah, that was the, that was the movement. Uh, no, I am feeling old today, sorry. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, well, I don't remember particularly a social justice movement that mm. I, I got involved in. I remember there being things like March for Jesus. Mm. Oh, yes. Sort of a go yeah. public on the streets with your faith. We yes. actually w- went into London the day after I became a Christian, actually. So I can <gasps> date becoming a Christian by the date I of March for Jesus yes. London. And uh, I uh, told Graham Kendrick the other day, and he had a little tear in his eye. <gasps> Yeah, you know, that makes. Do you know oh, what? Let's just stop there because that sounds like I hang out with Graham Kendrick. <laughs> Kendrick. But I he, does. he it's The only time, time I've ever met him.
1: But he won't care. He, he'll be totally fine but if you say him. you hang out with him. I did he tell. Him.
0: Graham, as I like to call him. Kendas. Um, <laughs> Kendas. <laughs> <Kenders. laughs> yeah. Love bro. He. Um. I made a joke about Ken- Graham Kendrick, Anna Kendrick, and Kendrick Lamar. Did and, you? Uh, yeah, you can get it. Oh. Yeah, it, was, it, it was lost time.
1: Oh, bless him. Anyway. I, have to say, I tweeted him recently because my daughter's school sang Shine, Jesus, Shine oh, I tweeted oh glory I was like it's 300 kids Graham singing your legacy yeah. it's beautiful that's, but anyway that's
0: another 30p in the yeah. make way <laughs> Music Trust
1: but yeah March with Jesus I remember at Haywards Heath hitting the streets with, with Shine, Jesus, Shine yeah. and it felt extraordinary yeah. maybe that was the forerunner in the sense of our generation saying if the church is taken to the streets what is it that God wants us to do while we're here yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> okay. and, then, and then I guess that it wasn't when I was a teenager it was when I was in my 20s, but that make poverty history. Yes. As a movement, yes. was that was the only time I I feel like maybe it's been overdone now, but the wearing a wristband actually yes. meant something. Yes. And uh, and I think there was a real concerted effort for that year of mm-hmm. uh, uh, believing that we were going to do something about yeah. poverty and injustice yeah. uh, in the developing world. Mm. And and so that was a, that's a little bit more recent, isn't mm. it? But uh, what was it for you?
1: No, no, it'd be the same for me. March of Jesus, make poverty history producer rachel mentioned a uh, greener burkina and i think i do remember that at spring harvest i do remember finding out about another part of the world and being um being amazed that of course actually we should be caring about the environment i remember quite a lot of the things for me growing up it was things like getting presents to prisoners kids
0: mm. so that
1: was a massive thing i was involved with Lots to do with orphans and orphanages. Um, and that's um, an interesting conversation at the moment globally, yeah, of actually. It is. is it right that we get involved in supporting orphanages, or should we be looking at new innovative ways for children to actually become permanently part of families? So it's interesting how these things mm, evolve, mm. Is it sometimes it starts somewhere, and then God's that, that divine pull of the Spirit that says, well, now you're passionate about this. What else, what else could be possible? What else could be possible? So I think it's interesting tracing back in our own generation what is being made possible in the lives and the mm. imagination of young people now because of things like make poverty history mm. that that never leaves us. Like once yeah. that's in your DNA, that poverty doesn't that doesn't have to be around. People haven't got to be in such desperate situations.
0: I think and years and years of those things because uh, we have. You know, uh, every generation had its has it's had its make poverty history or mm. its live aid yes. or, or, live or, was massive, or whatever yeah. it is. Thankfully, live aid was just before my time. But, uh, but, incredible but, 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 but every generation's have had one of those. And I think mm. the cumulative effect of all of those campaigns, um, it probably doesn't feel like it if you mm. work in that sector, but I think our, our general base level of awareness and caring about those mm. issues has raised. Mm. I think we are generally more aware of the impact that um, you know, the way our countries in the West mm. run themselves has on mm. countries in the developing world. I think we have more of a, a, a sense of inequality and injustice mm. than maybe previous generations did. So there's some good stuff happening, some signs of encouragement, and the conversation has probably broadened and moved on now. Mm. And the uh, the big, maybe, I mean, there's lots of big issues of our day, but maybe the biggest conversation of our day uh, in, is really around the issue of what we're doing to the planet. Mm. And I think, I think back to when I was a teenager, and... You know, the, the, the sort of green lobby was mm. seen as... A
1: little bit, yeah. You know, the fringe,
0: mm-hmm. the fringe of, mm-hmm. of, of justice. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't really, you know, we knew about the ozone layer mm-hmm. and we knew some bad stuff was gonna happen. Um, and it feels to me like finally the conversation has really come to a head in terms of climate change. Mm,
1: and particularly plastics. Yeah. In the last couple of years. that's and almost
0: feels like the new one. It without does. Without wanting to sound flippant.
1: No, no. But well, I think it's, it's, it's when something suddenly captures your imagination and it becomes one very easy shift in behaviour isn't it? Because we know we should recycle. That's yeah. been around for a long time. But we didn't really realise the devastating, the devastating impact to families and people and communities and environments from our plastic consumption. Mm. And it's terrifying, isn't it? I think we're still at that point of awareness raising. Yeah. We're not really seeing the big shifts in culture that are really going to make the massive impact. But we're realising that actually as citizens, we mm-hmm. do have more power than maybe we realised 20 years ago. Yeah. And yeah. young people know that. They know they're a lot more powerful. But um Duly investigates, one of her shows recently was about how fashion is one of the greatest contributors to um, the devastation of the environment around plastics. And I think that is where it's, it's, it's interesting to see what this generation of people do with that. Yeah. Because that really is touching on consumerism and just what you, you know, access to stuff. So yeah, well, there's a,
0: there's a, uh, on the one hand, there's, you know, young people care passionately about uh, you know, the environment, climate mm. change, they do care about their future. Mm. On the other hand, they have been gr- grown up in a, mm. in a culture that has tried to make them into entitled consumers yes. who believe they deserve
1: everything easy and everything packaged. easily yeah.
0: you know, presented to them. And that's, that's a value that's system a that's been grown, mm. you know, and, and over, over the last few decades. Yes. So, um, so there is a clash there because, yes. as much as we might like to say, and I think in today's interview, I will say this. We like to say that young people really care about injustice, mm. they really care about a campaign. We've had that experience growing up. They don't like it so much when it really starts to pinch. Oh, because
1: they, they're human beings, aren't Absolutely. they? We, we st- Absolutely. We all struggle with that, don't we? Yeah. And actually, my vicar recently called me out, and he said, did I see you walking down the road using a disposable cup for your coffee? And my initial reaction was like, what? Like, it was actually it was a little bit like, get off my back, because yeah. I was feeling a bit grumpy. And I was like, oh no, actually, no, you're right. Actually, I should. Mm, I, that's mm, an easy shift for me. Yeah. But I didn't like being called out on that. No, it. we don't like being no. called out on
0: convenience. No. Because it's it's it seems low level enough that we're yes. allowed to feel irritated yes. about yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But also, there's that annoying thing when someone has taken the moral high ground correctly. Yes. Yeah, so and, and you think, think oh come right. on, come on. Yes. Really? Oh, you are right. Yes. Oh, that's annoying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. happens to me all the time. Absolutely. So this interview is, is a great interview because actually the person you interview, I think folks may have heard her speak on a number of different yes. topics. She's a fantastic Bible teacher
0: yeah.
1: um, as well in her own right. But um, but as well as all of that, actually at the moment in, in her role at Tear Fund, she really is helping the church get to grips with the environment and actually see this as part of our missional imperative oh, yeah. is that we don't leave this to others we do something about it and yes. so this is when martin met the very wonderful ruth valerio
0: my guest today is ruth valerio who is a uh, director of advocacy internationally i think at Fund, Ruth, hello. Yes, hello, Martin, good to be with you. Have I messed up your job title there? I tend to mess up people's job titles.
2: Yeah, totally, and I'm very offended. i butchered it. The only reason I went for the job was because of the title, (laughs) and you've messed it up.
0: (laughs) So what is your job title, tell tell me.
2: Um, Officially, it's Global Advocacy and Influencing Director, but it really doesn't matter. How did
0: I not remember that? (laughs) So, uh, so, so yes, thank you. Sorry, that was a that was a terrible way to start. I I have a ridiculous job title. I'm <laughs> director of innovation and deputy chief executive at Youthscape. So, if anybody uh, is poking fun at job titles, it shouldn't be me. Um, but you, um, so you have been in that role for about a year and a half. Um, but people might know you from other roles that you've had um, in the past, because you've been around, as it were, for a long time, haven't you? <laughs>
2: yeah I have um, I was part of the leadership team of Spring Harvest for many years and spoke at Spring Harvest for many, many, many more years than that. So uh, probably quite a few people might know me through Spring Harvest and leading the big top and doing that kind of thing. yeah, and they um been involved with the Evangelical Alliance and then have also, worked with a Christian conservation charity called Arosha yes and quite a few people know me um through that and through the work that I've done there and my writing and speaking and
0: so on so people might know you as a sort of Christian uh and I have to I always get this word wrong I always say conversationalist (laughs) and I'm sure you are an excellent (laughs) conversationalist but people know you as a as a conservationist um, but does your role at Tier Fund go, go a bit broader than that?
2: Well, in one sense, I would say you can't go broader than that. Of course, Be- <laughs> because looking after people actually fits within looking after the whole world, yes, rather than the other way around. But I'm, I know what you, I know what you're meaning. Um, my my work at Tier Fund has it actually enabled me to bring in some of the emphasis on people and poverty that has always been really very much a part of who i am but i think because i've been known become known more as an environmentalist mm. some of that side hasn't been seen so much but for me it's absolutely essential that we hold together looking after the environment with looking after people Mm. because you can't be you can't be interested in people without caring about the land that they live on and the sea that they fish in and the air that they breathe and you can't be interested in caring for the natural world without thinking about the impact that people are having on it so the two are absolutely interrelated
0: do you know i mean i maybe it's just me and maybe i don't listen enough but I've never really heard someone uh, sort of erode the distinction in that way. Um, it's almost like you are the sort of person who's very, very concerned about uh, injustice in poverty and mm. uh, or, or bringing peace into war-torn areas. Or, something. or you're somebody who's really worried about the amount of plastic we're using and producing or, or the, the you know, global warming. I've never actually heard anyone tie it all together in one um is that a little bit intimidating though
2: um no to me it makes absolute sense because you can't separate all these things off into neat packages and it's where my work at tier makes so much sense of of who i am and what i do because um just well so to take the plastics example that Mm. you've just given Mm. we're used to thinking about thinking of plastic as a purely environmental issue Mm. it's messing up the the oceans and we Mm. talk about plastic pollution and so on but actually it's also a poverty issue and the majority of the plastic that is in the ocean comes from poorer countries that don't have the money to invest in proper waste management systems yeah And right back up where the plastic is coming from, it's causing big problems for the communities because it's leading to all sorts of diseases and the rivers are getting blocked up with plastic, which then leads to flooding and can lead to death. So when we look at plastic, that's a great example of how environmental issues and human issues are completely intertwined. And the days really... A long gone where where you fight against you know the environmentalist and the the social justice person i we know that we live in a world that's so interrelated mm. that you have to be concerned about all of it together mm.
0: Mm. so just but thinking particularly about uh as a way in maybe to that stuff um mm. issues of environmental uh, environmentalism and um uh, uh conservation it seems to me that that is something that young people, which is kind of the um, you know most of us listening to this this podcast will work with young people. It's something that they very easily get uh, passionate about and mm-hmm. concerned about. And I, I'm not sure that's just you know as selfish grown ups. We might think that's because they're worried about their future, but I also think they have a real innate sense of responsibility for the planet, um, which is quite exciting, isn't it? Um, you have teenagers yourself, don't you?
2: Yes, I do. Two girls, fifteen and eighteen.
0: And so do they get passionate about this stuff? I presume it's hard. I mean, I hate I hate I would hate it if the answer to this was no. I mean, Mum, will you stop going on about the plastic?
2: <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, I do feel like they haven't really stood a chance. <laughs> I, I sometimes think of Ab Fab when yeah. uh, what was her name, Safi, you know, yeah. completely rebelling against against her mum and you know maybe our girls could could have done that. Thankfully they haven't and although they express it in their own unique ways of course, they have naturally taken on that concern for people and planet Mm. and kind of activist side that both Greg, my husband and I carry Mm. so for Marley who's our 18 year old She is really interested in conservation, in particular in animals, and in particular in a species called the pangolin, which is the world's most trafficked species. Wow, I don't think I've ever heard of that. Oh, 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 we haven't got time for me to go into it. Just put it into your search engine, find out about the pangolin. It's the most incredible creature and oh. it is the world's most trafficked species so we need to know about it yeah and she's she's doing all sorts of things around that she set up a pangolin facebook page and she's going out to volunteer with a russia in ghana In the new year, looking at pangolin projects, there. She's going to study zoology at university. So she's really taking that in and in how she lives as well. Uh, Just just the kind of general lifestyle stuff around not using plastic. Uh, Both of the girls have stopped eating meat now. My youngest, Jemba, who's 15, she's particularly interested in. Rainforest and in the impact that palm oil is having mm. on them, um, and particular because of the orangutans. So she actually stopped eating any product with palm oil in when she was eight. Wow, and has continued that. Yeah, I know. I thought, oh, you know, well, that won't last. But from eight, now she's 15, and she still does that. So And she would like to be an environmental lawyer uh, when she grows up, that's what she's pursuing. So both of them, in their own ways, have got it and caught it and understand that you know this isn't just a, a kind of important issue. This, this is the most important thing facing us. Uh, and in order for... Our economy to be healthy, which is what we spend a lot of our time thinking about. We need a healthy environment. Yeah. If our environment goes down, everything goes down. Mm. So we have all got to be involved with this.
0: I guess they, they never stood a chance, did they, with, with you as parents, really? It was unlikely. <laughs> no. I, presume, I presume when they're really kind of cross with you and having one of those teenage strop moments, they like go and mess about with the recycling a bit. Like put the cardboard into the the plastic <laughs> bin or something, just to no, some way of getting back at you.
2: If they did that, my Greg, they actually have a go at him because he never gets the recycling right. Oh no! And when they when they were quite little, Marley wrote a note on the microwave uh to say, "Turn this off, Dad," because he never turned it. <laughs> So that they're more, they're more puritanical than we are.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. And and, and inspiring, I guess, if you don't have, uh, you know, parents who are, are majorly kind of into this stuff as a, as a young person, um, it, there is on one hand a sort of a, a latent desire to, to look after our planet. But also, there's sometimes a sense of entitlement, isn't there? Um, not just in young people, in, in anyone, in terms of the stuff that inconveniences you. And sometimes there can be a, a bit of a concern that, oh gosh, if I have to, uh, you know, if I have to start using different things or stopping using plastics, or it feels inconvenient. And, and how do we break that mindset with adults, um, let alone with, with young people, that, that this stuff is, is inconvenient and therefore not worth bothering with? yeah
2: so i let me tackle that from a family perspective thinking of the people who are going to be listening to this and just thinking of the girls and in one sense you know they haven't stood a chance because of being brought up by us but that <laughs> but actually they could have totally decided reacted and gone the other way yeah. and decided they didn't want anything to do with it not so i don't have all the answers at all, but a couple of things that have struck me that have helped are that one, we've we've made this a lot of fun. That that hasn't been a deliberate decision to do that. It just has been. So Thinking of adults or young people or families together, yes, some things can be inconvenient. And a lot of what we're talking about is about saying no to things and reducing things and limiting. But the other side of that is as you do that, you then say yes to a whole lot more. Uh. So we decided that we wouldn't fly anywhere on holiday and we've flown in our sort of 18 years of family life. I think we've had two family flown holidays, so we fly very occasionally. And then that pushed us to find fun, creative holidays more locally that mm. might involve going by train and ferry or driving somewhere.
0: Mm. And
2: so we've had a whole bunch of really fun holidays that we wouldn't have had if we mm. had just thought of the usual jump on a plane and fly somewhere. And that's loads of other examples as well I could give. So rather than focusing on the negative of what we're saying no to, it's thinking about the positive of of what are the the alternative options that it's opening up. So seeing it as fun and as exciting to be a a kind of a challenge to be looking for ways to do things differently. Mm. And then also as a family, I think what doesn't work is if you impose your view onto the others and so I've always tried well I say I've always I've never been perfect but when I can I've tried to do things collaboratively Mm. and so it's been something that we've decided to do as a family Lent actually is a really good time to try and experiment with things yeah so we decided our youngest Jemba asked a few years ago if if at Lent we could do a meat-free Lent Hmm. and that was when we were still still eating some meat but were reducing it and so we decided together to do meat-free Lent and I said, well, yes, but if we do that, actually, I want us all to help with finding recipes and we've got to be willing to try different vegetables and what have you. So that then actually, Lent's not supposed to be fun, but it actually made <laughs> it really fun. <laughs> and we looked at recipes together and agreed, different vegetables, we try, we'd try. And from that, we pretty much dropped eating meat because it was such a success. Yeah. And then last Lent... I wanted to do something around plastic so I said I'm thinking of doing a plasticless Lent. Should we do this as a family? And so it's doing things together where people the whole everybody feels that they've had some say in the decision rather oh. than just one person putting putting it on the others, I think can really help as well.
0: I think that idea of experimentation, really really works i think kids get very excited with the idea that we're going to try something new we're going to experiment with something and and that works with a kind of profoundly like really obviously spiritual discipleship stuff let's experiment Mm -hmm. with prayer let's experiment with uh you know meditation let's experiment with the bible a bit but also translates into something a bit more practical about lifestyle as well which of course is profoundly spiritual
2: yeah, and as you, let me tell you one of the things that's been most successful that I've seen in churches, and that's been to do with a scheme called EcoChurch that I imagine quite a few people listening will have heard of, mm-hmm. which there's now 11 1,200 churches in England and Wales that have signed up to it, and that's a scheme to help churches integrate caring for the earth right across their church program. So it's not just about buildings, but it's also about lifestyle and um, campaigning and things like that. And quite a few churches have effectively given it to their youth group and said, we want to become an eco-church. Can you take the lead on it? And can you you work with us and, and make it happen? And that's been a really good way of um not sort of getting the young people involved because as you're saying they're involved already mm. but tapping into the enthusiasm that they've got there already and taking the rest of the congregation with yeah. them yeah
0: um just to pull back a bit um to the sort of the the bigger picture um uh, you know we've we've heard a few there's a few things that that have maybe been sort of said publicly in the last in the last few years about this being the last generation that can make a difference really in terms of climate change and, and saving the planet. Um, There's also, there's also schools of thought that say it's too late for that. And Mm -hmm. we're now managing the consequences of what's already been done. Where do you, where do you sit on that one?
2: Um, It's, it's very much both. So it is too late for us to stop climate change. Mm. And we We know that because we know it's happening already. So all of the communities that we work with at Tear Fund tell us that that climate change is one of the big issues that they're focusing on and that they're experiencing with the rains not coming, droughts, floods, etc. So this isn't a future thing. Is it going to happen or not? Is it too late? We know it's too late because we are already experiencing it. The... The issue that faces us, the two things that face us are how will we help adapt mm-hmm. and how bad is it going to get? Yeah. And the more action we take now, the more we will be able to prevent runaway climate change. So we, we know it's too late in some respects. We've been talking about this for 20, 30 years and we haven't taken the action that we need to take. But there is still time to act in a way that means that we that we don't experience absolutely catastrophic runaway climate change, and that's why we need to keep acting because the more changes that we make now, the more difference it will have in future years.
0: Mm. Are you are you hopeful generally about you know are we turning the <laughs> it's a terrible what a ter- I can't stop I can't pull out of it now but I was about to say are we turning <laughs> the oil tanker. And of course, that is the worst possible metaphor I could think of. But are we yep. turning around the large transport vehicle? <laughs>
2: um, are we turning around the large electric vehicle? Is yes, that's it. That's what, it. That's what I say? mean. <laughs> um, it's a really difficult question. We, The harsh reality is we are not taking the action that we need to take. And so in one sense, I'm... Not hopeful on my darkest days. Mm. But actually that whether or not I'm hopeful isn't really the question finally that motivates me. The question that motivates me is how does God want me to live and what does he want me to do? And whatever the future holds, I know that he wants me to live in a way that takes care of this world that he has made to the to the best that I can possibly do that. And to be looking after all that is in it, both human and wider than human. And and I come back again to this point of the more action we take now, the less... <laughs> terrible will be what happens in the future so this isn't fixed in stone we have to keep acting and currently we are not doing well currently our carbon emissions are still rising so there is huge amount that we there is a huge amount that we need to do and all of us listening to this need to be involved in that and need to be taking action both in our own lives and also holding governments to account and getting our churches involved
0: too and and those of us that so to, you know to take it back where we where we were before but perhaps with more gravity more seriousness this is a really key thing for youth leaders to be taking seriously mm-hmm. and my uh, i was going to ask you actually you know as a throwaway question um, uh, you know do we sometimes is actually the flippancy sometimes around environmentalism and climate change unhelpful so you you know i'll, I'll often hear people make the joke you know or oh, the weather weather's really warm gosh climate change does have its you know benefits and all that sort of thing actually without wanting to be a killjoy is that isn't that profoundly unhelpful that kind of humor
2: well i don't know i think it's part of a natural tendency isn't it that when things are terrible we resort to humor as a way of coping with it
0: do you think that's what it is though i don't i don't think that's why people make jokes i think instinctively I think people make jokes because they still haven't taken it very seriously
2: yeah and yeah I think you're right and certainly we haven't taken it seriously we've taken it seriously in our in our heads in that we understand that it's happening but not in terms of translating that into action and I was reflecting on the how on how it's talked about in the news mm. and it's made into something that feels so far away. Climate change is happening, our emissions are rising, but it but we don't see the connection with how we live and with our own actions and we don't understand that along with countless millions around the world and corporations and so on, that we are the ones making that happen. Yeah. It's seen as something that's just too far away yes. and too big for us to cope with and so we we need help to to break it down into bite-sized chunks so that we can be equipped to see how we can actually take action Mm -hmm. and help to to build connections so that we understand that this isn't an issue that is far away and nothing to do with us Mm -hmm. that this is an issue for us so we we need to find ways of taking that seriously and i would love to I'd love to hear from your audience how they do that and how mm. they'll do that with their youth groups and how they help people take it seriously, but not in a way that then puts people off and leads to a load of guilt, because then that leads to inaction as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, there was a little noise there that will have been a notification on my computer, oh, right. which I'm recording that. So that'll, uh, I think the listeners to this podcast enjoy the slightly shambolic nature of, the, <laughs> of certainly my parts. <laughs> of the uh, of the recording so just to sort of get back then so I, where i think i was going was um this is really seriously important for youth leaders um mm. because as we disciple young people as we explain to them what it means to live as a christian in the world um you know the the issue of stewarding caring for the planet that's been created for us um, uh, you know, it's vital, isn't it? It's a massive discipleship issue, and it shows up your your attitude. A hundred percent, you know. Actually, uh, if you treat your uh, planet well, that is an act of worship, isn't it? And if you treat it, and if you treat it badly, then that is an act of kind of stepping away from um, God. In, in actually, that is that is part of discipleship.
2: Yeah, I would agree totally. My understanding of the gospel is that it's about our relationship with God, our relationship with others, and our relationship with the wider creation. And if you look in the New Testament at why Jesus died on the cross, the Bible is very clear that, yes, of course, Jesus died on the cross to restore our relationship with God. We know that, and that's what we often focus on a lot. But it also talks about about how Jesus died in order to restore our relationship with other people. Galatians 3, 28, Ephesians 2, breaking down the dividing wall of hostility and so on. And then there's this amazing verse, a couple of verses, more verses in Colossians 1. Colossians 1:19 1, that says that Jesus' blood was shed on the cross to reconcile all things huh. in heaven and on earth to God. And I was always brought up to think that Jesus died on the cross to reconcile people to god, yes and for for many years, I read that verse and implicitly substituted people and It was a real shock at one point when I read it and realized it didn't say people. it says all things mm. and it's not to say that people aren't still a central part of what the Gospel is about, but actually, when we only focus on people, our understanding of the Gospel is truncated. Mm and a full understanding of why jesus died for us a full understanding of gospel living includes our relationship with god our relationship with other people and our relationship with the wider natural world mm-hmm. so i would say that how we live in relation to the natural world whether or not we would look after we look after it is as much a part of what it means to be a christian as whether we read the Bible, whether we tell other people about Jesus, whether we look after people's physical needs and so on. It, it's all integrated. You can't separate it out.
0: Yeah. And that that might feel like big news to some people, because there is the, the, the if we very caricature it, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> then the, um, the the old model of, uh, you know, the, the gospel was pie in the sky when you die like it it was about escaping this planet mm. in order to uh and and with a secure future in the eternal paradise that that, yeah. that was what we were teaching young people and adults for for, for years yeah, um, that's right. and so and this I've, is new
2: i've I would say that that owes more to Victorian hymnology than it does yeah. to anything that you get in the Bible. Yes,
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
2: so it simply, it simply doesn't teach that in the Bible. There, the Bible doesn't say that we're going to be whisked off to live the rest of our days on some floaty heaven. No. The Bible talks about a, a transformed, renewed heaven and earth, that that word for new when in Revelation that when it talks about a new heaven, a new earth, isn't isn't about something being totally different, like a new car, I sell my car and I get a new one. It's about the quality of something, something being transformed and renewed. It's the same word when it talks about someone knowing Christ and becoming a new creation. It's not that I become a totally new person, you know. When I became a Christian, I didn't walk into the kitchen and my mum looked at me and said, Who are you? I don't recognise (laughs) you. It's I'm the same person, but I've been transformed. Mm. I've been I've been made new, I've been renewed. And so the future for the the future that we're looking forward to is a very physical earthy one where earth and heaven are are reunited again it's not about us being whisked off to spend eternity somewhere else.
0: No, absolutely. So, um, I guess getting really practical then, uh, mm-hmm. if we are going to take this seriously in our youth groups with young people, um, uh, you know, what are the starting points for any, any youth group to dig into this stuff? Um, and I, you know, not, I'm not just thinking, um, you know, in terms of practical campaigns, you can get involved in things, but, How do you start to address this with with teenagers in a way that will uh, really kind of stick and and could become lifestyle affecting for them?
2: Hmm. So I think you need a way of bringing together action and reflection. Mm -hmm. And I think I would actually start with action in some way. And that might be through getting involved in a campaign. It might be through getting involved in some local volunteer work. It might be through taking the the whole youth group out on, a, on something like a, a tier fund volunteer trip where you spend time with the community and actually see the impact that climate change is happening. Mm. And at the same time, while you're being active around things, then do the reflection. So I, I think it's, I wouldn't advise that you just sit down and do a Bible study. Okay. Because I think that the reflection comes off the back of what people are actually seeing and experiencing. Mm-hmm. So you have that action and reflection at the same time. Mm. So by all means, please do do a Bible study mm-hmm. because, <laughs> because we really want our young people to understand biblically why this is a part of Christian discipleship. But don't do it in isolation. Mm. Get involved in doing some stuff as well. And so the Bible study isn't a theoretical thing happening in, a, mm. in abstraction, but is enabling them to reflect and to learn on the practical experiences that they're having as well.
0: Yeah, it is that sort of, it's the both and, isn't it? It's, it's giving them a chance to read something, to pray about it, but then mm. to act. Uh, to sort of see practically what this looks like in in reality and then as you say so it's it's kind of four stages really isn't it pray read act and reflection as well you know trying to learn from it so that it makes some lasting impact on your on your life
2: yeah and there's something very important about doing it as a group as well so thinking back back to your question that sometimes this is inconvenient and and how can we break through that mm. i think when we're trying to do some of these things on our own that that can be different and can be countercultural it can be hard but actually doing it together gives each other the the motivation and the commitment to keep going yes so choosing some actions that that a whole youth group is going to do together maybe it's about reducing plastic or reducing the amount of meat that that they eat or something, and then reporting, chatting back about it each week when you meet will really help people to stick with it. And as you know, you have to do something a certain number of times before it then becomes, turns from being a discipline into a habit. Yes. So if you can help your young people to do this for six weeks or something, then it will just become a natural part of their lives.
0: That's fantastic. So um, so really, it's about trying to um, uh, encourage this not as a sort of extra thing that we might do once a year, but something that's integrated into the heart of the discipleship journey for a young person. And therefore, something that you're going to do a, a few times, not just not maybe you're not going to do um, w- this week, we're doing the environment. And then, you know, we'll move on to something else. It's actually something that's, <laughs> that goes all the way through your program, maybe.
2: Yeah, totally. This is about a life change. And it's about, often it's about doing what you're already doing, but doing it a bit differently. Mm. So there may be some more specific things that you do that are one-off actions. Maybe you hold a, I don't know, an eco display or do a litter pick or a cleanup or, or do something. But a lot of this is how can I put it? It's about taking off a particular pair of glasses yeah. and putting on a new pair that opens your vision to the environmental implications of what you're doing. And, it, and when you've got that new pair of glasses on, it will change everything and it will change how you live. It will change how you see things. It will reframe your life. It's quite scary.
0: That's a that's great certainly
2: that, be my experience
0: that's a that's a great place to to end but um if people need resources if if people listening to this are thinking great I just want to know a bit more like where do I go what what are some good places online maybe for for uh, for youth leaders to go
2: so I'd really recommend people go to the tier fund site that's called together we are which is our youth work that's all around justice and environmental care so if people just put into the search engine, tier fund, and together we are, uh, they'll pull up the website and find everything that they need there with all sorts of resources and different posts and things that they can look at.
0: Fair. But it, you've, what you've done today really is make it very practical. And I think the, 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 the thing that stays with me uh, from this conversation is just this can't be something that we just do on a... Uh, a, a one-off basis I think it is as you've been saying it needs to be um, just part of what it looks like to live as a as a young Christian like this is what we need to be be telling our young people this is that the, the environmental isn't something you do because you're a Christian it's actually part of being a Christian
2: yeah in the same way that prayer would run throughout all our lives Um, like a, a scene and in the same way that looking after people and caring for people or telling people about Jesus would we would see as being a natural part of what it means to be a Christian so taking care of the world that God has made is also a natural part of what it means to be a disciple
0: Ruth thanks so much for your time
2: you're welcome good to talk to you
1: And do you think, Martin, for us as as youth workers, with and I'm going to put it out there now. It's a little bit extreme, but we've got a brand new um, Primark that has opened up where we live. It's massive. We already had one. We've now got a much bigger one. And I know with young people that I work with that um, young people who are low-income families, Primark is ideal because you can get loads of stuff very, very cheaply. But we also know that fashion is a big fast fashion mm, is a big mm. big issue. So how do we do this? Because I'm sat here wearing a pair of boots that cost a decent amount of money and a jacket and a skirt that I've thought about where I bought it from. And I have the money to do that. So I have a position of power in their lives, but I also have a position of, um, I have stuff of advantage. Mm -hmm. So how do we engage with these conversations, young people themselves who are very vulnerable and are simply trying to survive in a culture that says you've got to be turning out the new stuff? yeah and they had that easy at their fingertips for a tenor yeah. you get a new outfit it's very difficult how we do this without sounding like from my position of advantage i want you to change how you
0: yeah live. so i think as as with many moral issues the best approach is to present information and to educate and to say do you really know what's going on here mm. do you know how culture is telling you one story here mm. but something else might be going on mm. so do you for instance know the supply chain? Do you know mm, do you know yeah. the journey that your pair of 5 pound jeans mm. has taken? That's and I think you know a lot of a lot of kids don't know that you can actually walk into a charity shop and buy decent clothes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they don't know there's other routes to getting clothes cheaply which is you know or and, swapping clothes, or yeah, swapping yeah, clothes and good. and maybe that's something you can do with yeah. your young people yes yeah you know and, and, and actually run a little swap shop or something yeah. like that but i don't i don't think it's our place at all to beat kids over no. the head with no. um you know with, with any kind of moral issue mm. um and and with with this it's just the same but i think if we can give them the information yes. and then enable them to make different choices then, then I think we've done an appropriate mm. amount there mm. um, without really guilting them and, mm. and bringing out the fact that there is this, you know, inequality and inability mm. to actually, you know, there is a reason why those young people shop at Primark, mm. and and it's that the things cost three, four pounds, mm. and they only have yes three, four pounds. Absolutely. So we have to address that.
1: Yes, absolutely, and and to allow to call out the activists within them and that deep sense yeah. of injustice that feel that and
0: and the creativity, yes. the innovation,
1: yes, the
0: creativity to say okay, how we're we gonna how are yes. we gonna make clothes. You know, available yes. at an affordable price, yes. without it having a knock-on effect,
1: and or, yeah, and absolutely, and also, fashion doesn't need to dictate to you what you wear because actually, it's such a straight jacket, isn't it? Still, actually, wear what you know. Do you do you like that? Don't just like that because it's fashionable. Wear something that you want to wear, and I think giving that is a beautiful opportunity to give extra messages, isn't it? Actually, use fashion to express who you are. That is both ethically good, but also is is freeing young people up to be themselves. and I was just kind of. Be following along with the fashion. I the thought you we were
0: going to suggest you were going to wear a straight jacket, as like some <laughs> well, it cool, cool like am, it? fashion <laughs> statement. Rachel, you've worn some bizarre things, <laughs> but a straight jacket would be would be well, one step beyond.
1: Well, I I think because my family were homeless when I was a teenager and. There was no such thing as the Primark of today then. In fact, actually Topshop was coming in when I was 15, that's how old I am. So really the only place I could get clothes was hand-me-downs or second-hand mm. shops, and second-hand shops weren't cool there. They were like, clothes were not washed, the rest of it. Then I did become a little bit of a genius of like the costume cupboard. So I always think that my clothing style is like just one millimeter, one decision away from some kind of crazy plastic costume jewelry, oh. massive boots, you know, big skirts. I mean, I would Love to dress way more crazy than I do, but I oh have to that off,
0: one degree just, from just fancy rein dress. Just
1: it in. I'm always a one degree from fancy dress. Absolutely love
0: <laughs> it. Love it. Do you know I am? Um, I'm gonna just to, on a different subject. Yes. I'm a bit grumpy about something. I thought
1: you looked a bit grumpy. What, uh, what is I, going well, It's just on? annoying
0: me at the moment. I just oh, want to yeah. mention it to you. See what you think. Okay. I just I want your opinion. Yes.
1: On this. Go go. So
0: it's a little stuff. bit of a bugbear of mine at the moment.
1: About me personally. Yes,
0: oh, you've right. irritated me. Okay. No, no, it's not that. It's not. Not you. Not you.
1: Um, There's other something, shall we? Yeah, about that, actually. It's about some
0: other person who's yes! done this. Yes.
1: Okay. It
0: is actually about some other person that's done this, but I will not name them or identify them. But it's okay. a little trend I've ex- it noticed in a few people recently,
1: Ooh, dear. and it's
0: in—it's a youth work thing, and it's uh, using the phrase "my young people."
1: That—that <gasps> that has a circular kind of. I hear that every sort of ten years that reemerges.
0: Yeah. yeah. My that's young so people challenged. have been doing this. My young people are meeting tonight. I love my young people. Mm. It's great that you love the young people with Mm. which you work, but they're not your young Mm. people. And there's something slightly dodgy in terms of identity going on there when you call them your young people. Mm. They're never your young people, they're Jesus' young people, Mm. and you're there to steward and pastor and introduce them to him.
1: Do pastors say my church? Do church leaders say my church?
0: They probably do, Mm. yeah, but it's not your church, it's Jesus' church. do
1: teachers say my class?
0: My I'm class. bringing my
1: class in now. Yes. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think you're right. There is a possess- There's a, there's the potential for possessiveness there. Mm. There's also the potential for prophetic ownership. So mm. there's a sense in which it could be they're my young people, which which is infantilizing mm. them, mm. and it is slightly making a codependency. Yeah. Or it could be this housing estate. Yeah, they're my young people. Yeah. And on and on my watch they're gonna be treated. So I think it's really interesting, isn't it, to see Yeah. So we do you're right to challenge it. But you've obviously picked up and it's been an unhelpful
0: I just I mean, I've been irritated by it, but I'm a grumpy old man. I'm getting to that age now. Where things are just irritating me. But I, I don't know. I think probably the context in which I noticed it was yes. not one where was it was prophetic, yes. prophetic ownership yes. of a, of a marginalised yes. group of young people who have no one standing for them. Yes. Yeah. It was more of a um, more possessive, yeah. more my identity is in yeah. the fact that I, I lead them and I have them and they look to me. Mm, mm. Um, I'm doing weird things with my hands as I defend got, this. You're,
1: you're defending your chest. I've become very defensive.
0: I've taken on the sort of Hamlet pose mm.
1: but, maybe, but maybe actually there's maybe what's brilliant about that is it's part way towards a, prof, a prophetic pastoral calling that you want to talk about isn't it so if, if it just stays these are my young people and I decide what's right for them that's unhelpful mm. but if it's on a journey of saying Actually, Lord, these young people in this area—you've mm. asked us. To mm. a, I heard a, a, an Anglican priest recently. I said to him, "Why? Why do you? Why did you choose to be an Anglican priest?" Not my husband. <laughs> and this guy said, "Well, actually, there's something about when you're ordained as a leader, and you know, I—I—I I, I think I'll take this for youth ministry and any form of, of Christian leadership." Um, whether it's in your workplace or wherever it is, there's a sense in which actually the authority that God gives us means that. Now, I'm going to go a little bit kind of charismaniac now because I love all this. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm strapping but that's myself sense in. Actually,
1: when Christ says, I've called you and I've anointed you and I've ordained you, the powers that be take notice. Mm-hmm. There's a sense in which, so this patch here... I belong to Jesus and I'm on this patch and yeah. and I think so I, I do think actually what we do need to do as youth work is probably more of that intercessory prayer that says okay there's 25 young people that are calling this place their home and there's 25,000 behind them that we're not reaching Yeah. and so it's the powers that be Yeah. in this place Jesus is Lord in this place these young people are going to be called to Christ in this place we're going to seek holiness so I think it'd be really good wouldn't it if it could move
0: I love, I love all of that. I love all of that. <laughs> You're still grumpy. My problem with it is, is it, it does also become a barrier to things like unity.
1: Oh, no, that's a great point.
0: Because if you want to work
1: great point. with yes. other
0: young people in your yes. town, you, become, yes. you you start to draw dividing yes. lines. Okay, that's these true. ones are my young people, yes. these ones are your young people. Yes,
1: and young people actually, our young so people at our church. My young people my church. Your young people. They, some of them go to a different church Sunday morning and they come to us Sunday evening. And that's a really good conversation we're having at the moment. Like, actually, that economy is brilliant. Yeah. And we're not going to claim That them. is great. That is great. That, that is great. Is because happens. we always
0: get very So when we, when we yeah. work together yeah. to, to evangelise a, a town, we worry that they might all go to the then other. Go,
1: oh, there's another church.
0: I, I not know about that. You know, I had a kid come up to me. uh, after our Soul Survivor last, when I was just about to take over the youth work at my church, it is my church, I stopped myself then. The church which I attend. And he came up to me and he said, uh, said, well, you know, I just hope all the kids from your church don't start coming to our youth group because it's better. And I was like, oh great, thanks mate. (laughs) cheers (laughs)
1: did you go around then and like mark all the young people in your youth
0: group was like I did mine I
1: mark you mine (laughs) but it it, it is interesting maybe we we do need to challenge when we hear ourselves saying that you say now what is that and if there is a sense of possession yeah no one else can tell me what's right for these kids, and that needs to be rightly called out, doesn't yeah. it? And I've done right? it.
0: I know I've done it. Like I bet if you know, before mm. someone goes back through the last few podcasts, mm. and 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 I'm sure there are times mm. on this podcast when mm. I've called them my young people. Mm.
1: Oh, me too. So me I'm too, challenging
0: too. myself. Oh yeah. As much okay, as okay. Now
1: I said off air, dear listener, that I didn't have a youth work bugbear. I do. I've just thought what it oh, is. Oh, you've thought of one. So and this is since I've become a parent. It's when we as youth workers say got young people from really rough background or I've got a really tough bunch of young people yeah. because I so here's me going I, I have two children in my life who I'm mummy to who I've gone through a certain journey in this life and I've adopted with my husband I've adopted them and you know they might display all kinds of behavior because they're going to be young people because of the story they're having to deal with all the rest of it and I suddenly thought if the youth worker in their life says in another context to other people I've got a few kids from care backgrounds here but tough Tough stuff. I will be incensed. Wow. I will be raging, and because I'll, I'll be thinking, wait a minute, no, they're young people. They're, yeah. And they're mine. They're, yeah, they're my kids. Yeah. And I suddenly thought, gosh, the, the times I've spoken about young people, mm. if I was the parent hearing someone else mm. saying that, even though I'm saying it with a good motive, yeah, I would that be okay? Would that sit well with me as a parent? Mm-hmm. So I think watching that kind of language that. When we sort of we refer to our young people being difficult because they come from a certain background or because they come from a certain housing estate or because of of an issue they face, and if that was my child and someone was talking like that about them, I would. Does that extend into
0: young people who are? You know, on the autistic spectrum well, I think it
1: does exhibit well, yes.
0: behavioural difficulties I think
1: it does so I think we can absolutely say there are young people we work with who have vulnerabilities that's a statement of fact that's not a pejorative
0: mm-hmm. kind
1: of I'm assessing their behaviour is not okay mm-hmm. but when we say oh I've got a really bunch of difficult kids yeah, actually what do we mean by that? Uh, yeah. they're difficult well they're probably difficult for very Real reasons yeah, that we need, so I think that's a challenge to me. So. Good, you got, you got crossed. Then. I did get crossed. I suddenly thought that protection of yeah. don't talk to them about my children is difficult, they might be going through difficult things, but they're not difficult children. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, there we go. <laughs> don't be the youth euthyroc at my church, and my kids are teenagers. <laughs> oh, gosh, never
0: go anywhere near them. Heaven's above the lioness will be on you. Oh, she will. You're wearing some sort of <laughs> animal, print, animal print, aren't you? Leather,
1: so there we is go. Is that what that is? that is? That's
0: come out come out through oh, uh, no. through an anecdote, but it's
1: interesting, isn't it, when we actually begin to ask what what the impact of our words that we don't mean them to be negative, but they
0: come out as yeah, it's a good. My challenge. other bugbear. Oh
1: no, here we go.
0: Is when people like us pick up on
1: bugbears of other people.
0: Bugbears of other people. It's really <laughs> annoying when people do that on podcasts. And what does bugbear
1: mean? Like, where does that come
0: from? And blobs and things. Bug What's
1: bugbear?
0: Bugbear. It's a real
1: thing? What is it? A it's bug.
0: A bugbear. A bug
1: what is it what is a bug bear
0: this is like that game we used to play on the youthscape podcast
1: yeah what is it it's, <laughs> it's like, like Guess. new trainers
0: yeah <laughs> that's fresh crepes
1: fresh crepes this the latest drug anyway so we've now <laughs> got that out of our system we're now going to recycle our plastic we're not going to use plastic sorry we're going to and uh, we at youthscape have committed ourselves to that actually the resources that we produce yeah almost we everything we've done in the last year has plastic. been plastic free Yeah.
0: which is and why we not produce so many packs free. of cards that's
1: right yes and handwritten things on paper bags but thus endeth the podcast for this week. I feel Martin.
0: Yes, we should do just a shout out. Yeah, this brilliant. is the last time I'm going to do you. This just is a so plastic-free shout out. This outs. is the goodbye to Sarah Figueroa,
1: <laughs> uh, Westy and Connor, and Nazarene College Youth Ministry. Can I have a
0: mug, please? I haven't got a mug. Thank you. Didn't send her a mug. Uh, and mug. if you want to slightly support, <laughs> slightly support <laughs> this uh, podcast, you can do so at uh, Patreon.com slash youthscape for just the price of a corner shop Mars bar. 79 pence a month, we think. Uh, you can uh, back us, support us, help us to keep making really great podcasts <laughs> like this one.
1: Not just air our grievances with ourselves. This has been lovely. Yes. will see you again. See you again.
0: I was, I was lying. This is going out live to 10,000 youth workers. Not really. <laughs>
2: yeah. Thank <laughs> you.